0: Sagemont Church is a gathering of Christian believers in the southeast area of Houston, Texas. Today's message is from our senior pastor, Dr. John Morgan. I want to take you back to a time when Jesus started his ministry, his earthly ministry. I want to take you into Matthew chapter 3. If you'll look in your Bible to Matthew chapter 3, if you have a Bible with you, you can look on your phone or we'll have it on the screen here. If you're away from here and you can get a hold of a Bible the best things ever said in a sermon are the inspired and errant and infallible word of God and I want to read to you from Matthew 3 uh, and the 13th verse I'm entitling the message striving for perfection or getting started right getting started right <clears throat> I want you to go back with me in your mind now to when Jesus started his earthly ministry and what happened and how things progressed. And see how all of us that are, have chosen or will choose to become followers of Jesus can learn from this blessed event. So from Matthew chapter 3, reading from the new King James translation of the scripture. I'm going to read to you from the 13th verse. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. Now this is not the one that wrote uh, the gospel. But, uh, well I told you I was going to let you remain seated. But you stood. So, <laughs> you still got energy. God bless you. Let me just stop and tell you this is John the Baptist. All right. Then, Je- then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it, listen to these words, permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from out of the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights afterward, he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, Command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you're the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, and he's quoting from Psalms 91 here, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot, against the stone, may I stop the reading of the scripture and, and show you something, the devil knows the scripture. Do you know the scripture? He knows the scripture, he quoted the scripture from the Old Testament to Jesus. Now in closing, Jesus said to him, it is written again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Jesus knows more scripture than the devil. He knows the author quite well. Again, the devil took him up on an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things, I'll give it to you if you'll fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only will you serve. Then the devil left him. And behold, the angels came and they ministered unto Jesus. May God bless the reading of his word. Jesus was approximately 30 years old when he left his home in Nazareth to begin what became a three-year ministry. As he left his home in Nazareth, there are none of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, that have anything to say about his father, Joseph. He's not mentioned. (laughs) However, his mother... Mary is mentioned several times in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But as he progressed, as he began his progression of ministry, there's something that he did. I want you to recall it as I read it to you a moment ago. The first thing he did, the first thing he did was to go to the Jordan River and be baptized with water by immersion because he came to fulfill the scriptures uh, as I read to you a moment ago. That's what he came for. He said, I want to get started right. I want to make sure that I do what the Father wants me to do. So he comes to John, who was his uh, second cousin, and uh, John says, no, you know, I'm I'm old rugged John the Baptist and you're Jesus and you need to baptize me. And he said, you just do what I tell you. I, Jesus, need to fulfill the will of my Father. And so in that 15th verse, Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he was baptized. When he was baptized, he stepped out of the water. And he got started right. And I want to pause to tell you something. In my years of the ministry that exceed 48 by about 7 or 8 more years, I have never seen a person ever in my ministry that claims to be a believer that refuses to have believer's baptism that has ever been effective. I've never seen one. I don't know all that baptism means. I know it does not save you, but I do know it's a place where the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit appeared at one place at one time and identified themselves. And Jesus said, before I do one miracle, before I do one thing, I'm going to fulfill that moment when the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit appeared at one place at one time and identified themselves. And it's the only place in the Bible where that ever happened, where the Father spoke the 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 Holy Spirit descended as a dove and Jesus was in the water and he was baptized. There's something about it. It is not a religious church thing that you do because you got to do it to get your membership card. It has to do with an anointing of power. We're going to baptize at the cross tonight. One of the things at the cross I look for and so far we've been 100%. Every time we baptized out there in that pond, a dove has come over the baptismal. Those are not tame doves that come from the local pet shop. <laughs> those doves come, I believe, from heaven to just remind us that not many, they never have happened here. We've never had one fly down those stairs and up that one. But when we get out there, out in God's world, things begin to happen. I'm praying tonight there'll be 48 people baptized. We've got about 34 that are ready to be baptized. 36, I believe, are ready. I'm praying that before nightfall that we'll see 12 more people that have trusted Jesus as Savior than come and be baptized tonight out at the cross. If you're one of those four, I'll just put in a commercial right now. When we get through here, go out to the information. Many of you are waiting baptism. 195 of you are waiting baptism. And if you'd say, this is going to be my day, you'll always remember it. Every time we have an anniversary, you remember it's my anniversary of my baptism. But there's something about it, folks. There's something about it. Well, guess what happened immediately? Remember? Temptation. When I used to do all the baptizing, I would tell every single candidate, let me tell you what's going to happen after your baptism. Before the sun goes down or comes up in the morning, you're going to be tempted. That's just the way it is. Anytime you get in the center of God's will, the devil is not going to let you rest without tempting you in any way. He can come and tempt you. And so here comes the devil. God the Father had led Jesus before this temptation comes, after the baptism, out into the wilderness. Forty days he fasted. Forty days he was out on those Judean hills. And tired and weary and worn, the devil comes with these three temptations. And the integrity of God is at stake. You remember, after the baptism, God said this, God the Father, this, Jesus, is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. He had done what the Father wanted. So, as God's child, integrity is at stake. He comes against the evil one who knows the scripture. He knows how to proof text. And the problem so many times is that people get tempted, but they don't know the scripture. All they know is what they heard, think, saw, or believe, or wish, but they don't know the scripture. But the devil knows the scripture. Integrity is when your life is the same as your words. Don't call me Lord, Lord, and do the things and not do the things I command is what the scripture tells us. And so Jesus now has his first opportunity before he goes out to where the people are The test comes. Will he walk the talk? What happens to believers when they are tempted? If they're really believers. And if God lives in them like he says he does after the cross and the resurrection. That Christ in us is a hope of glory. But how do we act when the temptation comes? So that day Jesus was tempted as to who he was. Is he the son of God? Three things very quickly, I want you to to hear me. Number one, when temptation came, did Jesus take the easy path? What would have been the easiest thing for him to do? When you get tempted, when you start your earthly ministry, whenever you decide to start it, what are you going to do when it's easier to let something happen rather than hold to what you know to be the truth of God's word? See, we're so mixed up today. You ask the average person what the devil looks like, they'll tell you, "Well, he wears a he wears tight red uniform. He has pitchfork. He's got horns." What's God like? Well, he's an old man with a long white beard. He, he has a, a white robe. He sits up in heaven. He rocks back on the clouds, you know, just lays back, and that's God. That's what 90% of even Christians kind of visualizing. You know, I just look for that mean old devil coming to me in that red suit. We need to talk about that a little bit. A bit. Let me tell you what the devil is pictured in the Bible as being, a malignant spirit, a malignant spirit. He is pictured as one that is evil he brings death he is like a spiritual cancer he's out to devour and destroy everything that he possibly can but he is a spirit let me, let me explain to this to you a little bit different let me get out away from the Bible just a minute the psychiatrist by the name of M. Scott Peck wrote a book years ago called the road less traveled he also wrote a book people of life He was not a believer, he was not a Christian, but he was a very educated psychiatrist. He came to the conclusion that Satan was a real malignant spirit. When you read his book on the people of life, you will see that he he took a position that he said, being being a a psychiatrist, uh, intellectual, I'm the behavioral sciences I need to be honest these people say that that the devil is a spirit I'm going to check it out I've got to study it just to come up with a conclusion let me tell you what he found just to summarize it real quick he said that for psychiatrists that most of everybody that comes to them they can handle with behavioral science techniques but he said I learned very quickly when I began to do my research that every so often one came along that I couldn't handle he said they had a malignant spirit. It's called a demon. It's called a demon. Yes, people are possessed by demons. Go on a mission trip. Go over where you see people chained to trees and have had fits for 8 and 10 years and you'll see what demonic power is. No, everybody says, well, you just got the devil in you. No, you may have an illness. But this man who was not a Christian said, the devil is a spirit and I have witnessed it in my life science of psychiatry well when that spirit fell that malignant spirit upon Jesus and the devil appeared to him things began to unfold he was offered listen what he was offered 40 days with water fasting no solid foods where's the temptation going to come a steak dinner fried shrimp something the devil said I'm going to get you I know where you're weak see the devil knows where I'm weak he knows where you're weak And that's exactly where he's going to come upon you. Whenever you become a believer and you're baptized in believer's baptism and you're filled with the power of God, he knows exactly where to get after you. When you have have a weakness in whatever area of your life it might be, here he comes. He was weak, Jesus was, he was alone, he was hungry, all of these problems were there. And here comes the quick fix. In that Judean wilderness, many of you have been there, you look out there and you see those round rocks, massive numbers of them, like the rows of bread used to be. He said, just turn all of those into bread. There they are. You're the Son of God, turn them into bread. If you are the Son of God, he asked him at that time. This is what his response was. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Christianity is never the easy road. I don't care whether it's in finances, in relationships, in friends that you pick, in the lust of the flesh, and you can put a line of words from here to the parking lot. Every single one of those Things that come upon us are a result of where the devil sees us to be weak. Now every believer that's here, there's some areas of your life, you never get tempted at them anymore. You never get tempted. I mean, you could sit down with me and we could just talk, okay, you name one, I name one. You name one, I one. well, I'm this, I'm that. Where are they going to be? That's where you've gotten victory. You don't get temptation there. But when you kind of, well, now, moderation, you know, I'm okay. But I'm, I'm a little bit, there you are. So Jesus said, I'm not taking an easy step. I am going to say no to what my obvious need and literal need is to eat because I must fulfill the will of my Father and that is not to yield to the demands or even the request of Satan. And he stood the test. Jesus relied on spiritual substance, not physical substance. Substance. There's a second thing. If you go on reading in the text. Jesus is taken out of the desert into the city. You know most people move from the, from the city to the country. Well they moved him from the country to the city. Took him to Herod's temple. Put him up in the big tower there. Uh, as many commentaries say. And he looked out over the city of Jerusalem. When he looked out over the city of Jerusalem. In the fifth verse it says the devil took him up to the holy city. Set him on a pinnacle of the temple. And he laid out for him the next test. He quoted scripture. He went back to Psalm 91. The devil did. Verses 11 and 12. For he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against the stone. He just told him just throw yourself off of here. There's what the Old Testament says. But see Jesus comes back with the scripture. Deuteronomy 6.16 from the Old Testament. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. You're out of bounds. You don't tempt me. You cannot do it. Well, it's very easy sometimes to play games with God and get reckless in your spiritual life. To walk as close as you can walk without falling over the cliff. Not abstaining from the appearance of evil, but get as close to evil as you can and then hope that you can hold on. Don't play games with God. If you're going to have an earthly ministry, don't play games with God. Do not get in a mess intentionally and and expect God to get you out. He never played the game of Monopoly. He doesn't have any get get out of jail free kind of stuff. He, He is not caught up in, hey, I'm God, I love you, do anything you want to and I just forgive, I just forgive, I just forgive, I just forgive you break the laws of God, you're going to pay the price you're going to pay the fine you are not going to get by by talking to the judge he is a judge he is the law we think, oh well, I will let me tell you, put it over into the, into the physical life you ever hear of, of gravity? what's it called? the law of gravity who, who's responsible? Did they develop gravity out at NASA? Did that come from some scientific lab? I don't think so. It's, it's a law of God. Let me ask you, Christian friends, what happens if you get up on the tallest building and jump off? Even if you were at Sunday school tied on the gross. <laughs> read three, three chapters every day and five on Sunday for the last five years. What happens when you break the law of God? You pay the price. Got to get a little more personal. What about when you break break the moral laws of God? You hear me? What happens when you break the moral laws of God? Everybody is doing it. Why shouldn't I? I mean, I just think it's between, it's a personal thing with me. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Is that what the Bible says? We don't have time to talk down that path right now, but I'll be glad to talk to you personally. You don't break the laws of God, they break you. When God says thou shalt not, he means thou shalt not. He doesn't mean thou shalt think about it and you can take your chances. It's not God punishing you, it's just the way the law is. It's just the law, it's just the word. You're no exception and I'm no exception. The soul that sinneth it, it shall die. It's what the Bible says. Now, none of us are exempt from temptation. So be ready for it. Know Jesus. Get baptized and get in the Word. And get ready. Because he's coming. So there's a third test. He takes Jesus out into the mountains. And in the fourth chapter verse 8 it says and the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory and he said unto him all of these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me then Jesus said to him away with you Satan for it is written you shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve talking to Satan then the devil left him They go out and there's a third test. Is he going to take the easy pass? Test number one. No. He did not. Was he reckless in his decisions and the way he responded? No, he was not. The final one is there was a test of his power. Of his power. From the peak, Satan showed Jesus the kingdoms of the world. And he said, I will give them to you if you will just do what I tell you. Wow. I want you to notice um, by the third time, he didn't ask him any longer if he was the son of God. He said, if you are the son of God, he don't say that anymore. He said, you've proved with me already you are the son of God. You handle me better than anybody I've ever come against. I mean, you are awesome. You bet he was. He was God. He was dealing with the real thing. And when a believer has the Holy Spirit in their life, they're the real thing. And he that's in us is greater than he that's in the world. So he begins to bribe him with power and fame and fortune. Satan is behind all, all of the scenes and the events of this world that are falling apart. Racism, hate, intolerance, genocide, oppression, wars, sicknesses, diseases, earthquakes, fires, hurricane, you name it. He's behind all of that. And he comes to Jesus who is the Son of God. And all of these things have come down on him. And Jesus speaks. Tenth verse. Jesus says unto him, Satan, get you behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God. And him only will you serve. You say you hadn't done it. He's going to. When Jesus comes back again at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And right in front of your entourage that you followed will be Satan himself, flat on his face before a holy God. And he said, you won. You won. He is God. He is God. Now, let me close. What happened? Man, he'd gone through three rounds. He tried to be beat up and battered, but he won all three rounds, and he had a knockout in the third round. But look what it says in verse 11. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. You ever read that before? Only once. Where was it? In the Garden of Gethsemane. When was it? A few days before the crucifixion. Why? Jesus was praying, and the sweat was like blood coming out of him because he was fixing to go to that cross that would put heaven and hell at the foot of every man and say, take your choice. And he was in great agony. Crucifixion was coming, and here came the angels. Have you ever had that happen to you? It's not just for God. Have you ever been at that moment when you came just that close to to making the most horrible decision you could ever make and the only thing that kept you back was not fear of getting caught but it was fear as a child of God I would break the heart of my father and in agony you felt the love of God the angels put their arm around you and say you too are my child you too are the real thing thank you for standing with me Jesus said in John eighteen thirty six, my kingdom is not of this world folks I, I don't want to pop anybody's bubble because I know that we've got we don't know how long to live we don't know when the Lord's coming again or he's going to just come get us or come get everybody or whatever or his children <clears throat> but I want you to know that when Jesus comes back to this earth again the thing he's going to be looking for is, is his family he's coming back for them and when that day comes everything that we have tried to vote out everything we have tried to run from Everything we've tried to stand up to, and sometimes we have been knocked down severely, is going to be destroyed. And Jesus will reign King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But that's the way it's going to happen. Jesus is going to take care of the mess. And He will. And the only way to get ready, the only way is don't run out and join some religion but die to yourself, give your heart to Jesus. Be baptized as Jesus asks us to do and set the example. Know the scriptures. Do not take the easy way. Do not get reckless in your life. Never seek power. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and in due time, God will exalt you. Be careful when you're tired and wore out and emotionally and physically drained. Set those boundaries out there based on the Word of God for yourself. Don't set everybody else's boundaries. Set them for yourself. And avoid situations when you are more likely to be tempted. Stay away from the place of temptation. and Then surround yourself with people that love you. It's called a church. It's called a church. Yet yeah, we do care about what happens at the other churches. And we care about what happens to people in this church. And everybody in this church knows when one hurts in this church, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. I say it over and over again because that's not the normal thing. You're not just somebody on the list. Jesus cares. His bride cares. That's us. And then finally, learn from your failures. Learn from your failures. You say, I haven't had any. Oh, yes, you yeah. <laughs> have. I hate for people to ask me, what would you do differently if you had to start over again? You don't have the time. <laughs> <laughs> but remember this When you face the temptations of life There's one that understands He's been there. He's dealt with that malignant spirit. He has won He is the only begotten Son of God And we are heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If, 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 if we get out of this religious superstitious stuff. And just acknowledge I am a sinner like everybody else in this world. I need a savior like everybody else in this world. There is one savior that died for everybody in this world. That will receive him to come into their life and go against the evil one. And then no weapon that's formed against us will prosper. Because this is inheritance of the kids of God but you got to do it his way don't you dare say to the Lord well I, I, just, I just prayed a little prayer I'm okay I don't need to be baptized oh excuse me where is that in the scripture oh well I just think it's that way besides I don't like getting my hair wet where all the people are <laughs> you know they might see me with wet hair might make you look younger you never know you know <laughs> but we're going to close the book We're not God. But he lives in us. And if you start doing what he tells you to do. He'll tell you a whole lot of other things he's got planned for you. All along these 48 years. God has stopped this church in his tracks. And said don't do that. And we had our standard from the scripture. And said we will not do it. Unless the scripture is honored. And when it didn't happen. This church stopped. And every time it stopped, God let us see. See what would have happened? If you'd have done it your way, see what would have happened? But I stopped you. That's the way God works. He loves you. He cares for you. he got a plan for you. He wants to use you, but you got to trust him. And all things work together for good to those that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose God's got a purpose for you for me for his church he's got a plan for our nation and he's got a plan for this world but it's his way and not our way he is the way he is the truth he is the life and no one comes to the father except by him would you bow your head for a moment as we bring this very historic service to a conclusion, we'll start year 49 tomorrow. As we bring this moment to a conclusion, all over this building, there are people that desperately need Jesus in your life, and some of your church members. All kinds of churches, all churches are the same in the sense that none of them can save us. But Jesus is for whosoever will. Some of you don't go to church at all. Some of you are, are in church, probably for the first time ever in a Christian church today, of any denomination. Thank you for coming. Thank you for watching. Some of you in other parts of the world that you never do hear the gospel like we hear it every day here in our country. but God loves you. And I want to ask you today, what's keeping you? What excuse could you give God that he would accept that you would reject his only son? He's given you life. The best things you have came from God. Your family, your job, your health, your strength, your friends, real friends. Why don't you give your life to Christ today? Why don't you become a child of God? Why don't you just simply do what the Bible says? If you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why don't you believe that? And why don't you live and die on the Word of God instead of the traditions? of man. Dear God would you listen to the prayers in these next few moments. All over this building people have an opportunity from right where they're sitting to pray that simple prayer you ask us to pray from the heart to want a new life. Would you today? Save many. Young and old People live in Houston, live out of Houston, people that are watching via technology, television, computers. Lord, let this be a day of celebration in heaven because lost souls are coming home. And I pray for those that are waiting to be baptized, God, that they'd make this day, not let the sun go down without them being in the baptismal waters and saying, I want to be obedient to my Heavenly Father. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We pray that today's message has brought you to a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. at Sagemont Church in the Worship Auditorium. For more information, check us out at www.sagemontchurch.org.